Hello, and welcome to News to the Pharaoh, a Prince podcast from a woman's perspective. I am your host, Darlene Neasy. Again, to talk about what this podcast is about and contributor to the Prince podcast, and we were talking about expanding out to different types of perspectives on Prince. As I mentioned in our first episode, I'm really passionate about exposing some of the topics of music um, that doesn't get talked about, like his 90s work and later. So today we're going to dive in and discuss some of that work, specifically bootlegs that were sourced from his performances after the year 2000. So if you're a Prince fan, I'm sure you're all very aware of the vast amount of recordings out there to be consumed and most likely have enjoyed them yourself, whether it was watching a video on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or if you listen to them on SoundCloud and social networks like that, if you don't have a collection yourself. While we know the famous bootlegs like Small Club or the 1984 Birthday Show or the amazing Sign of the Times rehearsal boots, there's much to be said of the work that he was doing that fell in the new millennium as well. So let's get into just that. Joining me today is my fellow sister in bootdom, Crystal. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> and then we also have Kasaya, who's a little more passive, but still a deep listener nonetheless. Hey, hey. So we always start the questions with how do you get into it? So in the concept of today's podcast of bootleg listening, how did you start um, listening or watching things, Kasaya? Um, well, like you said, I'm definitely, um, I would definitely not claim to be any sort of collector. Um, I'm basically trash with my musical organization and things like that. <laughs> but I would say that I always had a, um, a mild curiosity of the recordings, um, especially when you hear about things that are supposedly in the vaults. And I definitely began to get a real taste of it after a lot of footage and recordings began to appear online with greater frequency. So in the last couple of years. Um, but otherwise, I'm almost criminally casual about it. Um, I'll normally go looking for stuff if it's been triggered by something else, like I read something on PrinceVault.com or an article somewhere. Um, but how about you, Crystal? So, yeah, um, I got into Boots after he passed, um, before the way I consumed Prince was not much, you know, nothing much on the internet. It was pretty much just um you um del- indulging in my mother's collection and what she had mm-hmm. handed down to me so you know a lot of the the bootleg world was was something i had no idea about but you know after he passed definitely that week i um you know trying to consume him as much as possible um i think i was on the org and of course everybody's talking about everything and I came across the thread about um, Boots. And that really was like what really got me into Boots. I found myself like searching for things that you think are very common now, but at that moment, someone who's never um, been into Boots or known about Boots, it took me forever to find. But I remember um, just spending hours looking for Boots. And um, it's something I definitely don't regret. <laughs> Um, because it's opened me up into a whole new world. It's just, it's, it's, I couldn't even imagine consuming Prince with just his, um, with just his official, uh, official releases, even, you know, that's enough, but just, I couldn't imagine, you know, not having, you know, those live performances and stuff. So yeah, I got into it, um, after he passed, you know, looking for 
ways to consume him on, you know, videos and music. And I just happened across um, a thread on the org. And that was pretty much my entry into the Prince boot world. I do have a question for you, Crystal, because I know you're a big Michael fan too. Is the mm. like thing as a big deal on that side of the house as well? Um, no, not the same. There is a the world exists, but it's vastly different. Um, a lot of Michael's, um, well, what we would consider Michael boots are fan made, and they're fan made with. Um, things he's already released. So a lot of fans make um, remixes. A lot of fans uh, like put together uh, shows that he never actually performed with other, you know, with, with audio and they splice things together. And it's really neat, but it's just, it's, it's just different. Um, there is some unreleased stuff that of course you, you do come across, but it's definitely not as, as big as Prince's. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess for me, I, I was really big about making sure I was fluent in his official discography before I went into the boots because I wanted to be able to identify really nuanced uh, like riffs that might show up in different songs or wanting to make sure that if it's a mashup, I know like every word of all the songs that are in there. So I, I spent a lot of time listening to this discography from front to back of all his affiliated acts, like the NPG ones, like New Power Soul type things, even like the instrumentals like Expectation and all of those. So that, um, again, once I got to the bootlegs, then I would know everything and be able to appreciate, wow, he just mixed, I don't know, like a song from 1984 on some unreleased thing with a song from 2006. That's right. Amazing, that type of thing. Yeah. So, um, so I, I had a friend, Carmelia, shout out to her, who would send me stuff all the time. like, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take it, but later, later. And so um, I, I have amassed a pretty big collection now, like over 100,000 files or so of my organized stuff. Mm. But um, I'm not going to talk about what's in the unorganized. I don't know how much. I <laughs> but and I feel like that's just scratching the surface because there's just so much out there. And then... Now I'm kind of a completionist, so I'm listening to the bootleg catalogs front to back and with those two. So I did for the Funk and I records, and I'm currently making my way through Sabotage. And it's interesting because I, I sometimes go back to the official work, and whenever I do, I try to do an untitled. But it's like, it's hard sometimes to go back mm -hmm. to listen to it. He, he sounds so alive, and it sounds right. so... Like, I'll be on Facebook or Twitter or something, and someone will be like, I'm so sad Prince is gone. I'm like, but he was just whispering in my ear about something that made me very upset <laughs> yesterday, so I don't know what you're talking about. He's not gone. But he, he, it, it's like a way for me, at least, to not even process that he's gone, because I'm still doing that, but just to keep him alive, in a way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I love how his songs really expand in the live versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're, we'll definitely get into that. So my next question, um, what era stands out to you the most post-2000? And we'll start with Crystal. Okay, so post-2000, I would have to say um, Third Eye Girl era. Um, I feel like with those shows, um, he didn't have a lot of constraints on himself in the sense that he kind of uh, 
um, covered his old stuff, his new stuff with um, different sounds. And so that's one of the eras that stands out for me. Um, to me, he was just on top of his game <laughs> during like the 2014, 2015. It was just a you know, a really great time um, for him. So, yeah, the third eye girl era for me. Hmm. How about you, Kasaya? Um, I was going to say the same. I love the third eye girl era. For me, it's the electric sound that he brought. Um, well, actually, I'll bring it back to 2013 and then on. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. I think I, there's something to be said for how energetic he is on the mm -hmm. stage. Um, even though he he's not always dancing around like you might see in, in um, Welcome to America era, for example. Um, I just think the music and the electricity of it, that's what stands out in my mind. Can you guys count the, the Montreal 2013 show among that? Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I remember... I'm not sure if we talked about this in the first episode, but when it dropped. Um, oh my God. I, I think I saw the email and I was leaving for work. I'm like, well, turning around today, it's going to be a television. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like all three. That was, mm -hmm. that, and I appreciate how he's kind of like a band leader. Um, yes. It was more letting, like supporting the artist and they're probably all his arrangements, but mm -hmm. right, they right. were we're all here to celebrate music type thing. Yeah. yeah. I, re I recently watched, um, you know, this past week, just trying to, you know, go over things for the podcast. I watched The Vegan Sun, which I know you love, mm -hmm. um, Kenisa. So, and, and that one, just even from the start, was just amazing. It's mm -hmm. just the way he arranged the music, the, his presence on the stage. He was just so yeah. upbeat. Um, and it was, it, it's something that I always reflect on because, you know, 2014 wasn't two it's only four years well two years um uh, before he passed away and it's just amazing it's something it's, it's something to reflect on just the difference um and I think about that a lot yeah yeah and then also show three of Montreux um the first show and the second show he's got like his church <laughs> outfits on <also. laughs> yeah <laughs> And I have three, and I maybe yeah. he's sleeveless now, and he's got the arms that are pretty muscular, and you're just like, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. I. It, it's like he, you kind of get both sides of it of Prince as a band leader, mentor, and also Prince, the Prince who's princing you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So. Okay, so of course everybody knows I'm hugely about One Night Alone Prince, which I count mm -hmm. from 2001 mm -hmm. to 2003, because my top two albums are One Night Alone, Piano and Voice, and then Rainbow Children. And I love everything about the sound sonically of that era. I love the direction he was going with it, of how much of himself he was, and not caring about wanting to be popular. Or even being a little bitter about it, to be honest. And then, um, uh -huh. so every year, right after Christmas, I take the whole week off and I pick a video game, whatever new video game is out, and I turn off the music. Sorry, video game music makers. And then I'll have my <laughs> headphones and listen to, like, every live run show from that time, including the celebrations from 01 and 02, and then as many One Night Alone shows as possible. So it's like... Literally, I spent 20 hours a day listening to those shows back to back, and I'll take a nap 
like for like four or five hours and then I'll keep going and spend the whole week doing that. So oh, wow. gosh. super fiercely protective of this era. <laughs> <So I'm> like, <laughs> that's my boyfriend. Nobody else loves as much as me. No one put time in like I did. No, but yeah. um, it's the only thing I'm selfish about regarding friends. But favorite favorite because of his jazzy sound, which is kind of like my vibe anyway. And I also like the kind of curls era because of that. But um in the live arrangements of my favorite albums and then petty stuff like he has the abraham lincoln is a racist powerpoint things in those shows and <laughs> he, he actually i think he brings them up on stage and because they were holding up the sign that it was their birthday and he, he brings them up and he's like it's your birthday it's not your birthday you only get one birthday and it's just like dude it's his birthday wow. why are you right let him have it <laughs> and then some of the after shows too is kind of moody sometimes and sometimes he'll yeah. be for a while and he'll just play and then he'll be kind of snarky and it's just like you kind of get the human prince to me um uh-huh. sometimes he'll tease especially during a door he'll get a little snappy during a door yeah or um during some of the celebration stuff, he's very subjective, and then he's like, you've got a dirty mind. I'm like, well, you just said two fingers on your piano keys. What do you think? <laughs> it's just right. like, I just really, really love that era, and but everybody knows that, and I scream it from the rooftop. So, yes, favorite. So, that said, um, talking about audio bootlegs, what would you say your favorite one is? Or maybe favorite couple. I have a I few. I could definitely never pick. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. You can go ahead. No, go ahead, sis. Okay. So, um, so we have the We Got No Love for Bootleggers. So that's Manchester 2014, as you guys know, with the amazing um, version of um, Something in the Water. Amazing show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently I I found out that I love the Club 3121 show from 2006 in Las Vegas, um, which has a version version of sh- on it that <laughs> blows, that blew me away.
and I remember my my favorite um, version of that was at Coachella. Um, and I remember being on public transportation and not being able to contain myself when I first heard it. Um, and I thought no version would ever top that, but then I listened to the Club uh, 21 one, so that one was really good. And then Club Black, of course. I talk about that one like all the mm-hmm. time. Um, and that's a New York after show from 04. Um, I can listen to that front to back, no skips at all. What I love about that show in particular is the, um, is Maceo Parker because mm-hmm. just amazing. The saxophone during that show is just amazing. I love the um, version of Sign of the Times during that show. I love the um, the covers that he did of the people who were in the audience. I think he did um, uh, Outcast and then a couple of other people I can't remember on the top of my head. Um, yeah, but those few come to mind for uh, 2000 and later. So it sounds like you kind of prefer after shows. Yes, recordings. I love after show recordings because they they tend to be more loose than the actual shows. Um, and yeah, and he he tends to switch it up a little bit, and he always has mm-hmm. great cameos. So um, yeah, the, the, a lot during the after two thousand. Once you get past um, one night alone, becomes you know, the, the track list can be, um, include a lot of hits. Um, yeah. and so the after shows, he kind he, you know, he, he, he switches it up and then, and, and, you know, sometimes you'll get, um, like he performed rock lobster. And then I was just like, what, well, what is this? But it sounded amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I do like the after shows, um, in the 2000s. What about your style? Um, well, I could never actually pick a favorite, especially now as I'm still in like exploration mode. I haven't even begun to scratch the surface, but I was going to bring up Club Black as well, um, which is pretty much everything I love about the musicology era. I love like how light it is, really funky and has great, um, instrumentals, um, and Footprints, the very first, I think it's the first one on there has a piano solo that's just like deliriously good. Hopefully, I think Renato, maybe? Yeah. 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 I think one day I just want to splice together all of his interludes. Because every time he's given his chance to shine, I'm like taken to another place. So I love that. Um, And I also love, Kinesi, you're not going to like me. I love my band's time. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't worry. I'll keep it brief. I love my band's tight um, from somewhere around 02. Um, yeah, I just love what I love about that one is that it's I think you get like a good 10 minutes in before you even really hear him talk or sing and it goes into a question of you.
Yeah, and you get a little bit of Jerk Prince there as well, where he just kind of stops the band and is just like, I thought, you know, I could be at home sleep. I really don't want y'all's cameras in my face. Did they tell you no cameras? Now I got a really nice soft hotel bed waiting for me. All right, next person take a picture. The one next to him, grab him and twist his neck. Take him and grab him and twist his neck like that. Just shake him up and say, didn't he tell you no cameras? He got a hotel bed waiting on him. He gonna go to sleep. We're trying to funk, please. The lights, the lights, they hurt, please. All right, no pictures, please. <laughs> I love how it like continues throughout the show because clearly like whatever he said, I think he told the crowd to like twist someone's neck if they if you saw him like snapping a photo and um clearly someone in the audience could not be bothered and just continued to flash but so you get a lot of personality in that one and that's all i'll say about it kenisa <laughs> thank you <laughs> but you know that's a good point because um the personality really comes through in all of these because of course the show you get you know not the the sanitized prints, but it is a little bit like, here's what you expect uh -huh. to see. And he kind of stays within that um, script. But when you're in a sound check or an after show, you might see him get irritated at a musician. Uh, what happened on the controversy? Um, the virus did something strange. Excuse me, the what did something The virus, strange? the keyboard, the virus, the lower keyboard here, did something very strange. You bought a keyboard called Virus? No, I didn't buy it. It's your choice or someone else's? Someone gave you a virus? I can't <laughs> even make it right in vocabulary, so I don't know if I'm going to be the, right there. The keyboard, you. the bottom keyboard. <laughs> Which exactly. is called the virus. Let's say it again one more time for everyone. The bottom keyboard, what's it called? The virus. All right. <laughs> Had a malfunction. So you want to add what to the show? What did you want? The virus. <laughs> or you might see him joking with some off-color jokes, or you might see him have an attitude or even sometimes be happy and make really corny mm -hmm. jokes. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I really appreciate that about the boots because you, you get to know more of him. Yeah. It's like behind person. the curtain. Right. And so of course I keep always talk about when I alone, still my favorite it's when I alone New York, um, I think it's from one of the I records or it's on a couple of different labels. And I always tell this story the first time I heard it. I was traveling to a culinary resort in Vermont for my sister's birthday, and I did that in my new, my new Bose Q35s headphones. And so I left the house in the Uber, and I put it on, and I didn't take them bad boys off until I got to like my room in Vermont. And it was the most exhausting and intense 
and relentless like six hours and I felt like I always joke that I felt sore like he didn't do like that I remember the day (laughs) I think I was having a meltdown for literally six hours and I was in the room like I don't think I'm gonna make it I feel like I'm pregnant like for real like six and a half hours of making a baby and it was very intense and I remember um even afterwards I was sitting at dinner with my sister and I just was dazed and zoning out. She's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I'm just not tense to like six hours. But it's interesting because it's it's the sound check, the show, and the after show. And there are parts of the after show that's on the One Night Alone live uh-huh. disc. And it, it's kind of like, okay, so you, the sound checks are interesting. Not this particular sound checks, but sometimes uh, if you guys hear about, if you're an MPG music club, you would be able to attend these sound checks. And sometimes he would like uh, answer questions or um, you just hear different takes on songs. Don't blame me. Mother 13 and I don't smoke weed. Put my hash away. You the guy the type of or again you get the the personable or sometimes a little irritated prince and you get to see him like up Mm -hmm. close and then you have the show which is the regular show though one night alone sometimes you know mix it up a little bit and then the after show i think the after show was like an hour and a half two hours long and it had a lot of cameos like alicia Mm -hmm. keys and Mm-hmm. people like that and so you kind of get like a day in the life situation and you're exhausted anyway because of all that you went through with him in your ear but also you're just imagining like what would your life be like if you did this almost every right day for oh my gosh yeah and I was exhausted just listening to the bootlegs I can't imagine being someone who's in his actual entourage having to do yes. that nuts but yes, recommend. I don't recommend it because for me, but <laughs> it's an interesting ride. I'll I'll just say the joy and repetition. I think that's on the the official mm-hmm. the official release yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and I know Fasaya listened to it. She said you said you listened to it in parts. I did. I listened to it in thirty minute installments. Very sensible. So I wouldn't be overwhelmed. <laughs> Healthy society. Really <laughs> yeah, I'm just like just drown yourself. Okay, so um, there are interesting moments. We we mentioned a couple of them before, but what are some ones that stand out for you guys? Uh, after 2000. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can go through. So, um, the covers are some of my favorite parts that come out whether it's unexpected or expected um there's a really amazing bootleg of prince and monaco that have an excellent cover version of spanish castle magic by jimmy hendrix oh wow and there's something about the way he delivers it it seems kind of cocky and confident and i really like that when he does it during montreux and a couple other ones too but it's like the um it's a slower pace when he does it then 
And I think it even sounds like he did it on a whim because he said special requests or something during it. So it's like, wow, you just pulled that out? Okay, that's awesome. From the top, y'all, one, two, a one, two. Very far away. has a beautiful cover of the dance of him doing just the piano version of it. very haunting and expressive and decadent and just really, really good. And then the third one, I don't think that the NPG gets enough credit during this era because everybody speaks about uh, the ones that are in the 90s, but um, uh-huh. there are some really good musicians around this time too. I think there's a Welcome to Chicago after show that did a cover of Never Too Much by Luther Vandross. And yeah. I remember I was listening to it and, I, and that popped up. I was like, oh, is this what I, yeah, this is what I think it was. <laughs> and it was so good. And it just made me like so excited to hear that uh, among his repertoire. It was really good.
has horns in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, my God, I can just, I can listen to it all day. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but I guess what stands out, I was going to say, um, just thinking about, you know, the many musicians after the 2000s that he took under his wing um, and the way he kind of just presented them and he let them do their thing. I, I want to mention right now, I, um, Andy um, Allo, during yeah. um, uh, the show is, is, is the specific show I'm thinking of. I know it's 2011 and it's the show where he performed Joy and Repetition with the Little Rose and threw us all for oh, a loop. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Norsey um, Jazz. Too. <laughs> yeah, Norsey Jazz. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, I enjoyed just watching seeing his reaction to um to her performing he he seems like he that was sweet. Yeah. um you know like a teacher but also proud because you know many of the people that he um worked with were you know when you saw them perform they were a piece of him mm-hmm. so it was nice to see him kind of admire um other artists and definitely give them their 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 spotlight and you know, give them a platform. Um, so I think that's something that stood out throughout throughout the 2000s. That's something he always did, whether it was with dancers, uh, with the with the twins, um, with Tamar, with Shelby, mm-hmm. and Liv, oh, and everybody. Yes. And um, okay, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. Tamar, when he went on tour with Tamar, it was she headlined it and he featured himself, <laughs> but. <laughs> Those concerts were really good. I don't think Tamar gets enough credit. I know her album didn't come out. It was supposed to come out, I think, with 3121, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, there's Redheaded Stepchild that he does, or they do together, where she sings it, and it's fierce, and then he does an amazing guitar solo. Um, they have so much swagger. And I remember, like, he knocks over the microphone, he, like, fixes his hair, and then at the end of it, he like takes off his guitar, he hands it to the audience and walks off and it's just like Prince is amazing. Yeah. But um I, I love I love those performances and then I love how he's like he's there and he's very present, but he's still in the back. Mm-hmm. But he'll yeah. be like, We the best <laughs> he'll shout that out. <laughs> like, hey Mark, you can hold that Prince, it's okay. But yeah, and then um I know like during one of the celebrations, the LA celebration things at the Nokia that that performance area, he talks about how he enjoyed being in part of a band rather than at the front of it, because, you know, he started out like that. So it's interesting to, you know, do that again. I show big love to Sheila E for allowing us in her building this night. Um, I want to tell a story. I'm, I'm, I think I only told one person. Um, I told this story to Bria Valente. Uh, it's about Tamar. When I went out on the road and played guitar behind her, rhythm guitar behind her, I fell back in love with Sunny on instrument. And I just want to say something. When we give, we receive. I don't know how else to put it, but it's that simple. And I'm going to stop focusing on myself so much and just work for her when I got a present. So 
So this is who I sleep with now. Whatever. You can definitely get that sense. And he definitely wants you to do your all too on the stage. It's almost like he wants mm. the person, I'm thinking of Liv, to like outshine him almost. Just give it your all. Yeah, he has he's always had high expectations. Yeah. In the sense that anybody that he he put he he put any type of stock behind, he expected them to go out there and give um give them their all. Give it their all, and that was evident with everyone. You never felt like anybody didn't deserve to be up there. Mm. Yeah. So. Though it's a little sad, like some of the shows we listen to, especially around thirty one twenty one, the Vegas shows or the twenty one night shows, where there would generally be an after show pretty often, but he wouldn't always play at them. So mm -hmm. you would hear the audience complaining or booing. Uh -huh. And I remember there was a beautiful rendition of What a Wonderful World with, I think, Maceo Parker and Renato. And then someone screams out, Raspberry Beret, come on. I'm like, literally, <laughs> this is a beautiful song that you're listening to. Like, yeah. be appreciative of this good music instead of, you know, a song that you can pull up and listen to. I mean, I recognize that people go for Prince. Yeah. Times I'm like, but don't you also want to go for good music? Isn't that the whole point? I feel, mm -hmm. like, the, I feel like that's something that um, that that kind of a, a lot of fans, you know, who were able to, you know, go to print shows and um, consume him, you know, throughout their life much differently than, you know, for example, myself. Um, I feel like that's something that they didn't really start to care about until he passed um, as far as supporting, um, you know, people that he, he put in the forefront um, and, you know, music that he he promoted, you know, mm -hmm. with, with like the Shelby J's and, and everyone. Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely something that um, I feel like he, uh, um, it, it wasn't appreciated until he was gone. Um, just from that example alone that you mentioned with mm -hmm. fans getting upset um, over seeing, you know, people that he obviously, you know, believe in, you know, people that he, he thinks will be able to give you guys good music. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, of course, we appreciate now that he's gone. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think with this passing, um, this idea of a continuation became, became really important. So mm -hmm. I can definitely see what you're talking about, where people want the legacy to continue through the pe the things that he saw as valuable. Right. want to uplift that as well. Yeah, I've definitely seen that too. Yeah, because right. I know... In context, I may not have paid attention to the side acts as much, but going back, like, I love Andy Allo's Superconductor album. It's very good. Mm. And um, Liv Warfield's Unexpected album is amazing, too. And I saw, I haven't seen Andy live, but I have seen Liv live a couple of times, and she's amazing. Like, I remember the first time was at the tribute concert, and I was like, who is that? She's like a Force and she was up there, she was whipping her braids around. She had this huge voice, and I was so impressed. Wow. And then when we were up there for celebration this year, she did a show at the Dakota and covered most of the songs that were on the Unexpected. And I was like, "This is amazing!" Again, because I really like that album anyway. And I don't uh -huh. think that people realize for those at least Superconductor and the Unexpected, Prince was executive producer for both of those. Right. And mm -hmm. um, I don't. 
I think a lot of people think that for Andy's album that he wrote a lot of that music, but she was pretty well established before she got with Prince. And she's mm-hmm. a really good songwriter on her own. And she might have done like the musical production of it, but I think there's maybe only one or two songs that they co-wrote together on that album. It's mostly her. Wish I had some yellow gold. Heard that it's your green tonight. Wish I had some yellow gold. Show you what to put up a fight. I just wanna love you right. Even if it's just a night. Always seem to like what I can't. So she should get more credit for that. And then Liv's album. Uh, Prince has, um, of course, Wow, which is the unexpected on her album, yeah. the same song, and then another one called Your Show. And I remember I knew he wrote a song on the album, but I didn't want to look at the liner notes until I, after I listened to it to see if I could figure out which one it was. And it started, and I started hearing the first couple of lyrics, and I'm like, oh, yep, that's definitely. You could already pick it up. <laughs> that's Prince right there. check out and, and Shelby J too and Adrian Crutchfield. I'm a sa- oh, play saxophone for a couple of years so I, I kind of gravitate to that sound but his was really good um but yeah definitely support those I mean a lot of people feel like you know I don't have to just because Prince but also yeah. Prince trusted them as musicians so maybe there's something there that you might like yeah at least give it a try right yeah but I'm sorry I totally skip the question um what were some interesting moments for you um to add on to what y'all said I really like the Paisley Park rehearsals um especially Mm -hmm. the ones around 2011 2013 um and the one that sticks out in my head this moment is um there's an extra lovable rehearsal Mm -hmm. that I love and then there's also a rehearsal of sticky like glue and I wish I had written down exactly which one it's on Um, but it's about like 10 minutes long and it's just him and his band having fun. And I think um, even though there's there's no visuals, you can just sort of hear how much fun Prince is having. And of course the band is really good and I'm sure it's probably like the 30th time they've gone through the song. But um, but yeah, I love that one. Um, And also the horns, Um, Crystal, you had brought up when I wanted to, agree with you there i love 
the NPG horns. You yeah. really get a sense of them in um, the Montreux 2013 show. There's one song in particular, um, Shades of Umber, yes. where it's just completely instrumental. It's those horns, and it's just the most beautiful thing um, I've ever heard. That's one that I paid for my parents. They're like, can you see her on that prince again? I'm like, well, let me just play you this one really Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you like this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I do, in general, um, love when he gives renditions of his songs that are um, sort of updated for the current time. So he does it a lot with Kiss, and that's sort of like fun, where he'll say you don't have to watch Real Housewives or something like that. But right, there, yeah. Yeah, there's a particular song. He does Dear Mr. Man um, during one of the piano and a microphone shows. Mm. And he weaves in, of course, it was, uh, he weaves in the election, he weaves in um, the Flint crisis. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not uncommon for him to um, sort of update, but I love when he makes the song current to the time. And it sort of makes me wonder what sort of things he'd be singing about now. Not sure I want to know, but... (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. I know I was reading some people find it difficult to listen to the piano and the microphone bootlegs because for obvious reasons. I know... um, Mm -hmm. I did spend a day, I think someone came out with a piano and a microphone ultimate. It had several discs that cover the whole tour of as many songs as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to listen to because he really is covering his entire discography yeah. with that. Wow. And even doing a couple of covers, I think he does Who's Loving You at one point. That's um, me. Yeah. still get because his voice is still very strong and it's yeah it's interesting because when you listen to prince you only are able to date him by whether or not he's cursing for the most part <laughs> <laughs> so there is a moment during the gala where he does say the b word um he forgot to edit himself and i remember 
I, I heard it in the bootleg, but I wasn't sure. I'm like, did he really say it there? Or maybe I'm just hearing something. Paisley and they played it. I was like, no, he definitely does the verse right there because the whole crowd was like, gotta <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> put something in this word jar. But oh, um, yeah, I, I just really appreciate that bootleg, especially. It's very emotional, but you still get instructional prints, you get the professor, you get him moaning a little bit sometimes. And you're like, I'm at work, I can't right now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> when you get ready, just Take a take a chance on it. it it's going to be a time, but sometimes it's good to do all this sometimes. Yeah, yeah. For me, I actually um, I was one of those people that definitely skipped piano and the microphone. For me, piano and the microphone was the equivalent to like the This Is It movie and the MJ world. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to mention I've never ever seen This Is It, and I never plan to see it. Mm, um, oh yeah, that's an interesting parallel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just has a sense of finality to it. Um, but that did change during Celebration when they showed us the um, the piano and the microphone show. And so it it changed in the sense that it was like, okay, well, this isn't that bad. When you put a visual to, you know, the audio, it's just like, okay, well, you know, our, we, we knew, you know, we know certain things now and... Um, you know, it's just not that bad. And so I feel like it's mm-hmm. a lot easier now to go back and listen to those shows, especially when there were moments that he um, made you feel like it was still 2011 and he was sliding out across the piano. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, when he looked in the camera and stuff oh, like that, we were all, <laughs> we all looked at each other like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Very. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you know, when you have that, you know, when you it, when you have that I guess that visual to 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 put with it and not that sense of um, finality it makes it a lot easier so you yeah, know it's it just between the two shows because they did show the first one last year and it definitely had a different vibe you can mm. tell when you're listening to the shows that the first one is kind of he talked more a lot more and the second one is kind of like mm-hmm. something's happening here you're going to get mad at someone like what's the difference here and I I remember hearing some people who said when they they were able to see the first half of the second show and they're like um i don't know about this he seems like because some people were like i'm not sure do you did you get that impression crystal um he was definitely emotional mm-hmm. but you couldn't t- i couldn't tell whether or not it was something if it was um real or not i feel like i questioned that while seeing it mm-hmm. um but but yeah, he definitely seemed like he had something going on. Yeah. Really? In the first show, he was very playful. Like, he climbs up on the piano, he minds watching TV and eating snacks, and it was like a, a one-act show type thing. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. one man, you know, one of those things. So mm-hmm. the second one was very interesting to see that it was a lot more understated. Yeah. And then I did want to ask, since we talked a lot about or a little bit about the videos, but not entirely. Can you guys think of video footage that really resonated with you after 2000? Besides the ones we've discussed? 
Um, mm -hmm. His performance of Extra Lo Lovable in Chicago. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that performance. It always does. I'm like, oh man, can you imagine being in a room for that? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded so good. Even just watching the video, imagine being in a room. Yeah. watching anything from Welcome to America, <laughs> where the stage is his playpen, he's running around on there, <laughs> call me Corey. I, booty. Exactly. I love the <laughs> variety. I love that he does the hits. I love that you can see the crowd. I love the celebrities. I love that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some interesting moments. Again, it's like he forgets himself a little bit more. So I think um, there's a Canada one where he's got his hips up in the air and you're seeing everything I'm like Prince really right come out yeah. underwear okay that's fine I guess um I'm trying but to you think. lost it when when you saw that I did a little bit especially because I wasn't expecting it because I, I kind of generally skip over the, the arena shows like that so I mean sometimes I'll watch I'm like okay let's just do this and her kiss for the millionth time but no I, know. I love it um, we already talked about intro we talked about yeah. the Mohegan Sun. The Mohegan Sun show is good because, um, again, you get the professor and the arms out eventually as well. And yeah. have the I love that yellow suit. The yellow suit is good, yeah. The yellow suit, <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, I want to at least mention, again, Montreal 2009. Oh, yeah. Yes. We got to talk about Empty Room. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if people realize there are two of those shows, but because he's wearing the same outfit on both shows. But the empty room, the performance, we always talk, or, among the casual fans, you'll hear that rock and roll Hall of Fame guitar solo, and everybody loses their mind. And But if you are deep into the bootlegs, you're like, well, it's cool, but he also does that pretty often. It's not an unexpected thing to see. But that right. mm -hmm. 2009 empty room, and also the Purple Rain and the One are oh, yeah. times where oh, yes. he's soloing, and it's just a straight channel. It's like, yeah. what you're seeing is he is channeling something.
it's so emotional to watch and it just makes you like church almost somehow it's, yeah it's like almost, you're like, yeah. Here, like yes it's not my kids you got or anything but you are demonstrating right now what happens when you let go and just let stuff flow through you yeah. and it's really right. inspirational to see especially and that it, milan one yeah empty room I definitely remember the first time I saw it and I was just in tears by the end of it I think both of those guitar solos and a lot of his guitar solos just go to that spot where only music can go and words can't even really get there and it just speaks to you that's definitely a beautiful moment okay so this went fast <laughs> the last <laughs> question so we've heard a lot about all the unreleased projects or certain shows that you might have heard about that may not be circulating. So what are some of the things that you wish you could hear that came out post-2000? So I've had a hard time coming up with anything for post-2000, but I did think of like a couple of videos, which, you know, we learned at Celebration that the Incense and Candles video oh my exists. Gosh. So I would love to see that. And then the, maybe the 3121 movie mm -hmm. would be good. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, well, Janelle recently put out her newest, and she said in an interview that Prince was working on the album with her before he docked out. And I want to hear it all. I don't know what's there. Um, I don't know if he laid down any ideas vocally, but I want to know. So I don't even, I don't know if that's in Janelle's vault or in Prince's vault. Um <laughs> But anyway, I need and I deserve. Also, I, I think I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Prince putting out a jazz album or working on a jazz album that he was going to put out? I would love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So for me, there's something that you said that reminded me something I think of it. But of course, last December, I heard there is a follow-up to Rainbow Children, so please hear that. Um, oh, yeah. Also, there, I really liked Deliverance when it came out, so I'm curious what was going on there. And then also, Morris Hayes mentioned that he worked on like 11 albums or something in the 09 to 013. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear no. no. It, it was some interview that I heard he mentioned that, and I was like, well, need to trot all that out for us to hear. <laughs> but doesn't matter okay so yeah so do you do you guys think um the non warner brothers album that's supposed to be coming out will have anything from like after 3121 hmm. oh i don't know i don't know either because i know wasn't there supposed to be a hit and run part three that was coming but even, oh yeah even that was a combination of songs that he'd been working on for a while. So that was in the book mm -hmm. that he was pulled forward. Um, but I really like Fades too. So Me too, yeah. yeah. But I am glad that it's finally something after Warner Brothers because you have a lot of stuff while with Warner Brothers and then especially with the amount of bootlegs that are back in the 80s um, and especially the unreleased songs. So uh -huh. I'm wondering, I'm sure there's so much more for us to hear, but I'm glad that we're not getting stuck in that era as far as things that will come out. 
Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys for joining me today. It's just such an acute like post 2000. Um, where can they find you, Crystal? Um, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter name is going to be Crystal XO, but it's with five A's, so C R Y S T A A A A A L X O. Um, and then Tumblr, my Prince Tumblr is going to be graffiti hyphen bridge. Um, so yeah, I'm most mostly on Twitter. And you can find find me on Twitter as well at Fisayo Adet. That's F I S A Y O. A-D-E-T that's on Twitter and then you can follow me on Tumblr as well at just-prince-things.tumblr.com and I am Darlene Nisi I'm Darlene Nisi on Twitter as well as Tumblr and you can also listen sometimes I hop on the Prince podcast of which we are a subset so thank you guys and so that is y'all for you to see what's beyond you and me uh, depends my friends primarily on how you view your role in eternity if she could be muse to the day she might be queen